One more time, put your hand together and give him a praise in this place. Come on, if you know he's good, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. NSPL. of the Lord tonight. Clap your hands one more time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful presence of God is in this place. You can be seated for just a couple of moments. I want to take an opportunity to again say what a privilege and an honor it is to have every one of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Would you help me clap your hands one more time and welcome our guests tonight. Amen, amen. And to all those that are streaming online tonight, we're so glad that you took the opportunity to tune in and see what the Lord is doing in this place. Anybody still got a hangover from Sunday in the building? Come on, where's all my apostolic drunks at in the building tonight? Anybody been putting your hands on some doors this week already? Did anybody walk up on Monday and lay your hand on some things uh, and tell it you've got to open uh, in Jesus' name? Amen. We're so grateful for what God's been doing all this week. What an amazing week and month we have in front of us. God has some amazing things in store. My God, Sister Bennett Paul started giving her announcement. I almost just handed her my Bible and said, go on ahead, go on ahead. My God, you don't want to miss what's going on there. It's going to be exciting. Tell your neighbor it's going to be exciting. Amen. And then, as if that wasn't good enough, they announced Mama Heard six cheese handmade baked mac and cheese available after the service. Woo! She put a post yesterday that said she made it with, she put hearts all over it. But in the hood, we used to say, they put their foot in it. Anybody ever heard that expression? They put their foot in it. And some of y'all going, ooh, gross. I don't want nobody's feet in my. It's just, uh, y'all pardon me. It's just a colloquialism from the hood. It means they really got in there and gave it mama's touch. So you don't want to miss some of that mac and cheese. But I need you to make an announcement to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, 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 
Tell them the mac and cheese won't be available until after we're done praying in the altar call. Gotcha. Would you all allow me just one moment to, to, to just have a quick family meeting tonight? There, there are a couple of areas that I'd like to just, just this is just us tonight. It's just Tuesday night, and I, I want to make sure that we, we, we're on the same page. But I, I want us to know that when we're having church and the altar call is given, church is not over with. As a matter of fact, we have waited the whole service for that very moment to happen. Amen. We've been praying all week. We've been doing outreach all week. I've been in my word all week. We came with expectation, not for them to sit on the pew and spectate, but when they make a move to the altar call, That is the time for the entire church. How many of you understand that your mama, am I in the right church? The Bible says Zion, the mother of us all. And, and when, when we have the altar call happen, it's not time to abort the process of that baby being delivered. That's not the time for mama to get up and say, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm. And, and so we, we want to make sure that we understand that's, it's time to labor in these altars. It's time to pray in the altar. And if our only definition of the altar is it's a place I go when I need something from God and I need to pray and I need to repent, then we've got church all wrong. There are times I need to pray and I need to repent, but if it's not my time, I need to be in this altar helping somebody else pray and touch God and repent and amen, somebody. It's not time to, to have a social meeting on the pew. It's not time to, to start checking text messages on my phone. It's not time to sit down and relax and watch the altar call happen. It's not time to get up and go to the lobby to use the restroom or, 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 or break open and try to go to the snack stand and find. So God forbid that there be people tearing in the altar while we're out there trying to eat a candy bar. Now, if the shoe doesn't fit, don't wear it. I'm not talking to everybody. But I want to make sure that we don't set a precedent and a culture in here that is antithetical to the purpose of why we're here. Amen. We're not at the bridge club at IHOP just for a social gathering. We're here to see God do something great. And when the altar call is given and you get up and leave, you are signaling to the people around you that, this is the proper response to what God is doing in the building is to get up and leave what God is doing in the building. 
So how many of you will make a commitment right now to say, Lord, help me to be a part of what you're doing in this service. God, I'm not going to sit back. I'm not going to lay back. Now, some of y'all got a choice. You can get angry right now. If you do, you're just going to give yourself away as a guilty party. <laughs> number one. Or number two, you can receive correction. And I'm not, I'm not talking to individuals tonight. This is a church instruction, church-wide instruction. We're setting some things in order that are out of order in this house. It's not time to fellowship during the altar call. And the same goes for pre-service prayer. We talked about after church, now let's talk about before church. Come on, you didn't get dressed and, and jump in the car and head over here just to hang out in the lobby and do nonsense before service. We've got to prepare ourselves for what God is doing. Am I in the right church tonight? Do I have any saints of God that have a revelation about the power of prayer and preparing the atmosphere for what God's going to do? When you read about the dedication of the temple, the tabernacle, you'll find that there was such a powerful move of God in that place that the minister could not even minister because the glory cloud of God had settled in this place. Amen, somebody. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a distraction to what God is doing in the building. Come on, I don't want my carnality, absent-mindedness, my weariness, anything that has to do with my flesh be a detractor from the sum total of what God is trying to prepare at this place. Amen, somebody. And so not only am I setting the house in order, but I'm compelling the heads of households in this building. In most cases, it's, it's daddy, and in some cases, it's mama. But I'm compelling the, how, the heads of household in this church to set your house in order. If you'll have your house in order, I wouldn't have to make this announcement. I won't have to chase your kids around the church if you've already got your hands on where they should be. I won't have to corral your kids during pre-service prayer if you as the head of your home have placed the same importance on pre-service prayer that needs to be placed in your family. Oh, this is really good tonight. Let me translate. Daddy, if it's time for pre-service prayer and it's started five minutes ago and you don't see your wife or your children in the house of the Lord praying, you ought to have enough anointing and courage to set your house in order. Hey, honey, come on. It's time for us to pray. We don't need to be doing this. Thing. Come on. Johnny, why weren't you in pre-service prayer? Come on. It's time to pray. It's to Oh, this is really, really good teaching. Amen. What God is doing in this place is too important for us to lose focus on the reason why we're here. God didn't save us to come for a fashion show on Tuesday nights. He did not save you to come and show everybody your brand new dress 
or that cute bag or shoes you got on or that new suit that you're wearing. Or He did not rescue you so you could roll up in that new whip to get everybody to admire. No, 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 no. God saved you, uh, number one, to serve him. Uh, number two, to reach the city that you live in. This isn't a social club. We're, we're not here for, that. that's a side benefit, the blessing of the Lord. But, but when it's a God thing, it'll never detract from the main thing that God is doing in this place. Amen, somebody. I wonder if somebody would just give God a praise for that right here. Come on, give God a praise. I'm going to be I'm going to be in pre-service prayer. Uh, I'm not going to be distracting what's happening. Uh, come on, I'm not uh, I'm not going to be disconnected uh, from the altar call and what God is doing in this house. Amen. Amen. And if that goes for all of us, it goes for any leader of this house four times stronger. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to my family. I'm talking to leaders in this church, aspiring leaders in this church. Don't tell me how much, how good you can preach and I don't ever see you in pre-service prayer. <laughs> Maybe I won't even get to my lesson tonight. <laughs> don't tell me how called and anointed and gifted you are and, and yet you, you, you're disconnected from what God's doing in the place. You're sitting down picking your fingernails while people are seeking the Holy Ghost in the altars. Amen. Lord have mercy. That's real revival preaching right there. That's the kind of preaching that'll cause those doors to open in your life. Come on, somebody in the building ought to just say, you know what, it's time for me to get it together tonight. Somebody in the building ought to just say, come on, I, I needed that. I needed God to get my attention. I, I needed God to wake me. Come on, somebody ought to just. Woo. Amen. Turn and tell your neighbor, I don't want to be left behind. And I sure don't want to get in the way. Turn and tell one more person, I want to be everything God's called me to be. If you believe that, clap your hands one more time and give God some praise. <laughs> Amen. You can be seated. I'm not even going to read a text tonight. We have been in a series of lessons on holiness. I say we've been in a series of lessons. We just got started a couple of weeks ago with lesson number one. And uh, I want to pick back up again tonight where we left off. And before I do that, I want to encourage you, if you were not here a couple of Tuesday nights ago, for that lesson, go back on, on YouTube or Facebook, or uh, I think you could still order a CD. Uh, that's becoming antiquated nowadays. Uh, I don't think we do cassettes or eight tracks any longer. I think that ministry has ran its course. We don't have that anointing anymore. Amen. I think you, you might be able to find a CD, but anyway, whatever you've got to do, get on SoundCloud or podcasts or all of those platforms. Go back, listen to the lesson. All of these lessons are designed uh, to work together so that you can have a greater understanding and revelation concerning uh, an absolutely beautiful principle of God's word, and that is the principle and truth of holiness. Amen, somebody. 
If you'll remember last week, we, we talked a little bit about the word holiness, the etymology of the word holiness, and it simply means to be complete or to be whole. And uh, y'all could put that graphic up there for the lesson if you want to. We're talking about the whole man. And so there is no way to have a revelation of holiness without understanding its close association with the meaning of wholeness and completeness. We also dealt with the idea of sanctification, the idea that we are set apart specifically for God's use and that we serve a jealous God, not an envious God, but he's a jealous God. He doesn't share us with the world. He doesn't share us with the pagan gods that he delivered us from. He, he doesn't want us looking like them, sounding like them. He wants us to disassociate ourselves from them. We belong to him. And then we begin to talk about the fact that we are not just a body, but we are three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit. And so when we talk about the whole man, we're not just talking about hands and feet and, and head, you know, uh, head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. But we're talking about the body, the soul, and the spirit and when God talks about holiness, it is a restoration of man into his original context, his original constituency of how God made him. You were made in the image of God. He is holy, and so you were created to be holy. Amen. And then we talked a little bit about the word redemption. Anybody remember that? To be redeemed means that he has paid the price for you. And you, you no longer belong to the devil and you do not belong to yourself. Now I know that flies in the face of this world that is godless because they want to detach themselves from any idea of being beholden to anything or anybody. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I'll do what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. But baby, God said ye are not your own. Tell your neighbor, you don't belong to yourself, but you belong to God. And so this is where I want to pick up. I'm going to overlap this, this, this last concept as we move into tonight. And if you'll remember, we left off in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, where Paul said, What know ye not that your body, somebody shout your body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. If you could just get that revelation, it would change how you think about yourself. If you could just get that revelation fresh that I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. He says, which ye have of God and ye are not your own. Own. He deals with the concept first of creatorship. You, you're not in existence because you made yourself. He made you. And the second concept he deals with is ownership. You, the Bible says, what power hath the clay over the... The clay has no power over the potter. So you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Redemption. Therefore, somebody say therefore, 
because your body doesn't belong to you and your soul doesn't belong to you, your spirit doesn't belong to you, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, uh, which are God's. I know the world wants to say, and there's people uh, petitioning and, and, and on street corners saying, my body, my choice. I'm sorry, it's not your body, uh, and it's not your choice. And furthermore, the body inside of you is not your body. And if you really believed my body, my choice, what about the choice of the body that's in you? Don't you rob them of that choice? In case you missed it, I, I'm, I'm hitting abortion again. It is not my body, my choice. Did you know that in abortion statistics, you can look this up when you get home, last year or in the year of 2020, 2021 was very similar, but there was close to one million abortions just in the United States of America. And a, a, a common lie that is propagated to try and support the idea or the standpoint of, uh, for example, legal abortion is the idea that we want women to be able to protect their health. What if, what if a, a woman's life is in danger or there's some ex, extenuating circumstance did you know, you can find it all over the place if you just do five minutes of research. Did you know that less than 0.02 of 1% of women have an abortion because they were raped or an incestual situation? Less than two-tenths of 1%, not even close to 1%. Did you know that uh, one of the other things is, well, mom, you got to keep the woman safe. Did you know that out of all of those abortions, that only something like 1.4% of them happened because a mama's life was in danger? Less than 2%, barely over 1%. So when you are championing abortion, you are not championing the health and well-being of a mama. You are championing the death and murder of children. Come on, somebody. Did you know that over 86% of abortions happened with unmarried young ladies? Because abortion, by large and afar, is a byproduct of fornication and sexual sin. Not because of anybody trying to protect a health. Don't you dare believe the lie of a devil that wants to try to hide himself behind some innocuous little reason. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. I'm going to tell you where you had your choice. It was in your choice to say no to that young man in bed. That's where you had your, if more young ladies would exercise their right to say no there, they wouldn't have to commit murder. You already made your choice. And that little living creature inside you has breath, not because of your choice, but because God took uh, whatever it was that happened and decided, I'm going to go ahead and create a life. 
I'm sure glad that some of the prophets in the Bible that their mama didn't abort them because their health was in danger. Did you know there's prophets in Scripture that would not have been in existence because mama died giving birth to their child? Anyway, I didn't come to preach about abortion tonight. We're talking about holiness. And holiness is the understanding that I don't belong to myself. I thought I did when I was in the world, but it was just a deception. It was a lie that the enemy had me believing. And so holiness does not just deal with the outside. Holiness is so much more. It deals with the whole man. And so many times in, 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 in church, when we say the word holiness, we immediately think about dress standards. And really, while, while that is a part of holiness, and we're going to get to that in these lessons, there is such a greater and wider and broader and deeper revelation and understanding of what holiness is. So let's talk for just a moment tonight about the constitution of man. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, the constitution of man, he is three parts. He is body, soul, and spirit. The body obviously is this vessel that you and I can see today. I can't see your soul. I can't see your spirit, but I can see your body uh, big, small, fat, skinny, tall, short, ugly, pretty, beautiful, you name it, whatever it is. Uh, it is, the, <laughs> is a tell your neighbor smile a little bit. Uh, he hits you somewhere in there. You beautiful, you ugly, you fat, you skinny, you something. But then you have the soul and the spirit, which are not visible. And we often lose sight of that element of who we are because it is not visible. But the soul and the spirit, they are really the essence of who you are, not this flesh that you live in. I often make the statement that you are not a physical being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being that is having a physical experience. This body is going to pass away ashes to ashes, dust to dust, but your soul is going to live forever. That is who you are. And so when the soul and the spirit is separated from the body, the body dies. It's what we call death. And when we try to differentiate between soul and spirit, it can become very difficult because uh, they are so closely intertwined and interwoven. I, I believe that really the only two things that can separate the two are, are number one, the spirit of God, and number two, the word of God. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews chapter uh, number 4 and verse 12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The word of God, the spirit of God is able to, to, to separate and to, to define the difference. And so when we talk about holiness, holiness is not only outward, but holiness is also inward. It deals with the inward man. 
And you've got to understand this tonight, that holiness comes from the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, which is the regenerative power of God living in you, there is no holiness. Oh, you can conform to particular standards, but that is not the same as holiness. Monks have a standard of dress, and nuns have a standard of dress, and, and even satanic rituals, they've got a, but holiness comes from the holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it is difficult to grasp the understanding and the revelation of holiness. That's why I typically do not delve very deep into topics of holiness until someone has the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls it the spirit of holiness. There is a spirit of of holiness and and sometimes the spirit of holiness will be at work before anybody is ever taught about holiness there's many times that somebody is is baptized and they receive the Holy Ghost and they've never heard a, a, a sermon or a lesson or even been shown a scripture concerning the tenets of holiness and, and, and they just show up and say, you know what, I don't know what it is, but, but something on the inside just told me I, I, I didn't need to be going over there anymore and, and, and something, I, I don't know what it was, uh, Bishop, something just, just told me that I ought to take that music I've been listening to and something about it just doesn't agree with my you know what that is it's the spirit of holiness that is the root get this tonight that is the root of holiness that is the very thing that is creating a genesis of holiness in the life of somebody when you receive the holy ghost there is a work that begins on the inside of you to as many as have received him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God Romans chapter 1 verse number 1 says it like this Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Listen. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It is the power of resurrection from the dead. That's what Paul meant in Romans 6. That same spirit which raised Christ Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal death bodies. The Holy Ghost is the power of resurrection and it is called the spirit of holiness. And so true holiness 
does not come from living a set of rules. That's not where it comes from. Now, let me say this. That holiness is not about rules and regulations. Holiness is about relationship. Ooh, this is good stuff right here. That's why holiness cannot be viewed from a perspective of simply a list of can and cannot do. When you hear the language of that's not necessary, that is the language of rules and regulations and not relationship. Holiness is not legalism. It only is legalism when you are following something out of a dictatorial perspective that you have no understanding of and have no basis or the spirit of holiness working inside of you. Holiness is not about what I can and cannot do or what I have to do or I cannot. Let me explain. I love my wife. I do not wake up every morning and look over and say, I guess I have to give her a kiss. Because that's what the rules say a husband has to do. You don't have a relationship. Now, some of y'all getting quiet. I hope that's not what's happening up in the house. <laughs> some ladies may be thinking the same thing. I guess I have to. Why? Because we understand that relationship is not about what I have to do and what I don't have to do. Relationship is based on the fact that I love her. And because I love her, I want to understand what she loves and what she doesn't love. And I'm not motivated by what I have to and don't have to do. I am motivated by my love and my relationship. So holiness is not about what I can and cannot do. Holiness is about me understanding the nature of my Savior, the nature of my one true lover, and I want to make him happy, and I want to love what he loves, and I want to hate what he hates. Nobody's putting a gun to my head. Nobody's putting me on a guilt trip. Nobody's telling me what I can and cannot know. I'm in the word of God because I want to know how he feels about it. I want to know what he thinks about it. Nobody's making me. Come on, you got to call the devil a liar. When he comes to you telling you that church makes you do this and your religion makes you do that, what a lie from the devil. I could do whatever I want to do. The bottom line is I'm in love with Jesus so I don't want to do that anymore I don't want to look like the world anymore my love affair is no longer with the world my love affair is with 
God. Oh, I feel like shouting over that right now because when you get holiness like this, nobody can change your mind. You can't be talked out of it. You can't be pressured out of it. You can't be put on a guilt trip because of how you're living. You've got a revelation that this is about my relationship with God and I'm doing it because I love him. Somebody give God a shout in this place. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do this and you can't. You need to jump right back up and tell them, baby, uh, I can do everything you can. Uh, I can look just like you look, uh, talk just like you talk. Uh, I can walk where you walk, uh, but I've been delivered uh, and I no longer have the desire uh, because God. God is my lover and I'm in love with him. I'm in love with his word. I'm in love with his nature. I'm in love. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm going to take my time in these series. We may have 20 lessons instead of 10. But this is why it's important, mom and dad. Don't you dare teach your kids. That we live like this or we live like that because that's what the preacher said we had to do. You're feeding them the same lie of the devil as the world is. When your babies are trying to understand, get the word of God out. Don't be lazy. It's been taught to you. It's been preached to you. Uh, get that word out uh, and open up your Bible uh, and say, come here, baby. Uh, let me show you how beautiful this is. Uh, let me show you the revelation uh, out of his word uh, and why we live uh, like we live. Well, you know, the church has rules. So we can't do that. You're setting your kids, you're setting your family up for failure because it will only be, a, if you're down that road, it will only be a matter of time before the enemy finds the right thing to push you over the edge. You've got to get it out of your mind, get it out of your spirit. This ain't rules, this ain't regulation. Amen, somebody. As a matter of fact, in one place, Jesus addresses a church in the book of Revelation. And he said, I know your works. That you do this and you do that. He said, but I have somewhat against thee. You have left your first love. In other words, you can have it on the outside and look. the. You can be following all the rules. But if you don't have it in your heart, the rules mean nothing. Come on, can I just preach for a moment? Your modest dress means nothing if it's not in your heart. Your uncut hair means nothing if you don't have it in your heart. Uh, it means nothing. Come on, somebody. Uh, you've got to get it from here, uh, and it's got to make an 18-inch journey uh, into here. Uh, it's got to be more than head knowledge. Uh, it's got to become heart knowledge. Uh, it's got to become something you fall uh, in love with. I, I want to dispel the notion that love has no requirements. Well, God loves me, so therefore, he's love, 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 love. And he is. 
And he loves you unconditionally. How many of you know that's truth? Did you know there's nothing, no mistake you could make that would cause God not to love you? Am I in the right church? Did you know that every person who ends up spending an eternity in hell will be there with a God who loves them? He's already proven his love. He has nothing left to prove. He's given everything to demonstrate his love. It is our love that is in question, not God's. So the question is never God's love being on the uh, being investigated. It's our love uh, that is being questioned. It's our love uh, that has to be. Oh, I know the world doesn't like this. Uh, the world likes to just give lip service. If I say I love God, then that's all that matters. Well, while I respect and appreciate your right as a U.S. citizen and a human being to, to free thought and expression, I respectfully tell you, you're wrong. The Bible says, John chapter 14, verse 15, if you want to look it up, I'll give you just one reference. Jesus said, if you love me, now, if you study English language, that means it's a conditional statement. If you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, if you don't keep the commandments, it is a clear indicator that you do not love me. I, I thought that was pretty simple Bible theology for most in the building. You didn't have to get real deep to get that one. If you love me, uh, keep my commandment. Wouldn't that just be something? Oh, I love you, first lady. And I'm over here kissing on some other woman. No, I said I love you. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I ain't got to judge you. You're bearing fruit. Your, your lips say you love, but your actions say something else. Jesus said I ain't about that lip service. Don't tell me you love me uh, and you disobey my uh, commandments. Uh, if you're disobeying my commandments, uh, then you need to stop telling me uh, that you just be honest. Did you know in one place Jesus looked at them and he got sick of them calling him Lord? There's a bunch of people living however they wanted to live but they enjoyed the idea of being identified with Jesus. So they lived however they wanted to live, but they ran around saying, he's Lord. He's my Lord. Lord of all. Jesus finally turned around and said, why call ye me Lord and do not the things which I tell you? Quit saying I'm your Lord. You... You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. I said that to say that love has requirements. If you're going to love God the same, you understand it in your marriage. 
if I'm going to love you, our relationship has boundaries. And there are some requirements in order for us to have a relationship. Tell your neighbor, God has some requirements. If we're going to love him, there's some things about our life that have to bear fruit of our love. And so the motivation of holiness is never derived from guilt or peer pressure. But it has to come from an intermotivation and a sense of relationship with God. He is my God. He's my father. I am his son. I am his daughter. And I want to live a life that is pleasing to him. When you have the Holy Ghost living inside of you, no one will have to pressure you. You'll desire to live a life uh, that's pleasing to God. And I'll tell you a, a, an easy litmus test. If every time you go on vacation, you throw away all of your consecration to God, you don't have it in here. You've only got it up here. All you're doing is following rules and regulations. That's not holiness. Maybe I ought to park there for a little while. When we go on vacation, uh, we still live holy. Woo! I said when we go on vacation, uh, we still live consecrated to God. Uh, vacation doesn't mean that I now have impunity to sin uh, and live in disobedience uh, to God's word. Oh, my God. I hit something right. Brother Stewart, the plow just hit a rock underneath the dirt. Right, You know what you do when you hit a rock with a plow? You back up the plow. Uh, you drop it down about two more inches. Uh, and you hit it again. Come on, if that's how you're living your life, uh, it's time for another prayer meeting. Uh, it's time for you to listen to this message tomorrow and the rest of the week uh, until holiness becomes more to you than some rules that you've got to live uh, to try to impress the people around you because you're afraid you'll lose your friends uh, and people will think, no, you got it all. You're being a man pleaser uh, if all you're doing is following rules uh, and regular. These aren't my rules. This isn't the right church's rule. This is holiness. Uh, this is God's nature. Uh, and he never changes. Uh, and I always want to please him. <laughs> if you talk different when you go to school than when you're at church. Jesus said, if you love me, if you're a different person when you go to work than when you're at church. If you've got a different wardrobe that's only for vacation time. You're living in bondage. That's real bondage because you haven't got the revelation of holiness. 
when you've got the revelation of real holiness, this is who I am. Uh, 24-7, 365. Uh, I live to please God no matter where I am. Why? Because it doesn't matter who's watching me. Uh, who's got, I got to please him. Uh, it's not based out of peer pressure. Uh, it's not based out of lateral uh, connectivity. Uh, it's based out of vertical relationship uh, with my God. And so when you receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost begins to do a work of holiness in your life. The spirit of holiness starts to transform your soul and your spirit and your body. When you study spiritual formation and you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that this is how it happened. First, the Spirit of the Lord moved. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what happened? The spirit began to move. The spirit of holiness began to move. And then what happened? And God said. The spirit began to move and then the word went forth. And when the spirit moves and the word goes forth, spiritual formation begins to happen. And that which was dark becomes light and the earth is separated from the heavens uh, and the dark is separated from the light. Uh, the first thing that begins to happen uh, with, when the spirit of holiness begins to move uh, is there begins to be a separation uh, of what is right uh, and what is wrong. This is where holiness begins. And if you just start trying to dictate to people a list of ways to live and they have not received the Holy Ghost, and they have not received the Spirit and the Word. They don't have the Holy Ghost, they've not been taught, then you are manipulating people. I know this isn't even popular in apostolic ranks. I'm just telling you right now because it's a whole lot easier to just get up and say, my God, you need to wear a dress or you're going to hell. My God, you need to. It's easier to do that than it is uh, to give, let the spirit of God work uh, and let the revelation of God's word uh, be given to people. That's why when new converts come in here, we don't attack them with a list of do's and don'ts. Come on, somebody. You can't do a better job than the Holy Ghost. Let God work in their life. Let the Spirit work and let the Word begin to work in their life. We're not going to manipulate people into fitting and conforming to some look just to say we're protecting some image. Almost stop here for a minute. I'm preaching beyond the walls of this church right now. Our goal is not for people to walk in here and see some pristine.
pristine looking group of duplicates uh, where everybody looks uh, like they got it all together. Uh, if that's what a church looks like, uh, it's a dysfunctional church uh, that's not doing its job uh, because the job of the church uh, is not to present some image uh, of perfection. Uh, the purpose of the church uh, is to reach the lost. Uh, and if you're doing that right, uh, then the church uh, should be full uh, of mini skirts uh, and makeup uh, and cut hair uh, and jewelry uh, and Uncle Fred uh, and sister. Come on. Uh, you, if you want to find a church that's doing God's work, uh, find a church uh, where you got the spirit of holiness in the saint of God that's reaching all the way down uh, to the lowest places. Uh, and my job, my goal uh, is not to manipulate them uh, into conforming. Uh, my job is to bring them uh, into the presence of God uh, so they can receive uh, the spirit of holiness. Uh, and when the spirit of holiness uh, begins to work, uh, then we'll do what we're doing tonight. Uh, and the word comes forth uh, and spiritual transformation happens. Uh, then when you see them walk in uh, and they begin to change, uh, it's not because they were peer pressured about it. Uh, it's because they got it for real. Uh, they got the spirit uh, and they got the word. Uh, and when they get it like that, uh, no devil in hell uh, can take holiness away. Uh, when you get holiness like that, uh, nobody can talk you into compromising. Nobody will talk you into putting a television in your home. Uh, nobody will talk you into dressing uh, like a man if you're a woman uh, or a woman if you're a man. Uh, why? Because it's not rules and regulations. It's the spirit of holiness. If we ever get to the place where every single person in this room looks cookie cutter like that, we might as well close the doors because we quit doing the work of God. Jesus kept company with the publicans and the sinners. He invited whoremongers and prostitutes into his presence. And you know what? The people in the pew said, get her out of here. Doesn't he know what kind of a woman she is? They were afraid of their image. They were afraid of what people would say about me. They might think I'm compromising. They might think, oh, you better get over it and quit being a man pleaser. God has commissioned us to reach our world. Bring them in here, baby. Bring them in here high. Bring them in here drunk. Bring them in here broke. Bring them in here busted. And let's watch the Holy Ghost get over hold of them and turn their life around and lift them up. Come on somebody. That's what holiness is about. I, I mean I haven't even gotten to pass the first point of tonight's lesson. We don't put people on a stopwatch when they walk in and get the Holy Ghost. They got two weeks to line up or else. There's churches that got people on stopwatches. And if they ain't got their act together in 30 days or less, they ain't going to feel at home there anymore. You know what God did? First of all, 
I believe it was a literal seven days, but there's some that feel like one day was as a thousand years. I don't know. I'm not going to get into all of that theology. But God did a little bit of work, and then he stopped. He didn't even complete it in one swipe. He did a little bit, and he backed up and said, that's good. We got to learn how to celebrate the progress of people. If they never feel celebrated until they meet your criteria of completion, you're going to abort the process of God that's in their life. Hey, I know uh, he still looks a little funny. Uh, I know he still slips up every once in a while. Uh, but did you see him crying in the altar? Uh, did you see him under the power of God? God's doing a work. Uh, don't give up on him. Uh, don't make him feel unwelcome. Uh, don't castigate him uh, and run him out. The No. Uh, why? Because the Holy Ghost uh, is worth I'm glad God didn't kick me out uh, every time I messed up uh, trying to be what he wanted me to be. It's good. And then he comes back the next service and God says, hmm, I think I'm going to do a little more work on him. Uh, day number two. Uh, and then you know what? Uh, he ain't finished yet, but that's all right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and celebrate. If God can celebrate without it being done, uh, we ought to be able to celebrate. So don't trip when a new convert comes up on the platform and I've got my arm around them and we're dancing. I want them to know you're loved here. You're a part of the body of Christ. You may not have it all together yet, but you're on your way and God's doing a work. And none of that negates our love and commitment to God's word and truth. We're not compromising one inch. They're going to hear the unadulterated word of God concerning holiness and separation from the world. We still preach it like we've always preached it. By the grace of God, it'll never change. I'm from the head to the toe, uh, to, to the home, uh, to the job. Uh, oh, and we're going to get into all of it in these series of lessons. And so, we don't manipulate. That's not the nature of God. That's not how God works. Jesus never manipulated people into conversion. He loved them into revelations of truth. And that's how we present holiness to people. It's a revelation of a beautiful truth in God's word. It's not a billy club that we hit people over the head with. It's not a law book uh, that we slap people upside the head with uh, and tell them, get it right or get out. Well, I don't know where any of that came from. And so, spiritual formation begins to happen. God calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we have to have a revelation of how important holiness is to God. Holiness is not just a preferred lifestyle. It's not built on personal preferences. Holiness is not a personal preference. Holiness is part of the nature of who God is. 
And how many of you can testify you've got to be prepared for opposition when God calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light? Remember, you've been living in darkness. You've been living surrounded by people that are in bondage. And, and when God brings you out of that, it's kind of like when Moses came off of the mountain and the glory of God shone from his face. They were uncomfortable with the brightness of his glory. Because when you've been in a dark room and somebody shines a light, it hurts your eyes. And so they said, Moses, uh, turn the brightness down. We can't even stand it. And that's what happens when God brings you out of darkness. Uh, there's going to be people in the room around you uh, that are going to say turn it down uh, why are you shining like that uh, what are you doing that for uh, don't you see how weird this is uh, don't you see how abnormal uh, all of this is come on somebody uh, it's because the bible says men love darkness uh, rather than light uh, because their deeds are evil uh, and when your light shines uh, it brings a level of illumination uh, to the fact that they're not living the way God wants them to live uh, and their carnal nature uh, is going to repel uh, the holy nature of God that's working in you uh, so you got to be prepared to smile and wave uh, when they start mocking you uh, and they start making fun of you. First, they'll try to debate you theologically. And when they can't do that because there's no word to support false doctrine, they'll start to assassinate your character. And they'll try to make fun of you and denigrate you. You got to be able to stand up in the middle of that thing and just let your light keep on shining. Come on, they're ignorant. I don't mean that in a slanderous way. They're unlearned. They don't know the scripture. They don't have the Holy Ghost. Uh, what you've got is powerful uh, and it's precious uh, and you've got to be prepared uh, to walk in the light. you got to be prepared. Just get ready. What Ain't it something that before you had the Holy Ghost they didn't care about the darkness you were living in? They didn't care about the darkness didn't bother them. They didn't care that you cussed like a sailor. It didn't bother them. They didn't care if they saw you with your eyes glowing red and your speech slurred. That, that, that didn't bother them. No big deal. But the moment you stop living that way, you become the object of attack. Come on, you got to recognize what it is. Uh, it's not people. Uh, it's not them. It ain't mom and them and all. No, it's the spirit behind it. Uh, it's the demons that have a hold of them. Uh, and you've got to become emboldened by it uh, and say, thank God. Uh, I must be doing something right. Uh, that the, the devils recognize me uh, as being different. Uh, the devil recognizes uh, that I'm no longer under his control. The enemy recognizes uh, that I'm no longer walking uh, under the bondage of that darkness let your light so shine before men you got to look at him and say, I'm sorry, I love you, but I'm going to be judged by what's written in this book, not what's written in your diary or on your Instagram page. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep living my life according to this word. Nobody's making me do it. I'm a free agent. I could walk out anytime I want to. I could leave this anytime I want to, but I got news for the devil. I don't want to. It means everything to me. I love this truth. I love this word. That's what holiness is all about. 
So the question inevitably comes, it's only 8.59. Tell your neighbor, he's got 30 minutes left. I could do a lot of preaching in 30 minutes. (laughs) I could take off a lot of devil's heads in 30 minutes. (laughs) I could lay a lot of bricks in 30 minutes. And so the question inevitably comes, is it necessary to salvation? And you will often hear again, these are normally people who are just regurgitating or repeating false lies that they have heard from other religious influences or family bondages. And you'll hear the same stuff. Well, that's Old Testament or that's this. They're ignorant statements. That's not a slanderous description. It's literal ignorance. They've not studied the word. The spirit of revelation, the holy, the spirit of, of, of holiness, they, they don't have it. And so, and so you've got to be careful to understand what, what you're going to deal with. And so uh, uh, they're, they're going to try to fight that you, you don't have to be holy. First, first, let me deal with it like this. Number one, how many of you understand that there are certain attributes of God that are communicable and certain attributes of God that are non-communicable? <clears throat> now, anybody that works in the health industry understands that word communicable well because they often associate that word with particular sicknesses or diseases. And when you say that something is a communicable disease, it means that it can be passed. It can be caught, passed on from one person to the next. Uh, Sugar uh, diabetes, uh, uh, while it may not be uh, communicable by touch, sometimes it can be passed down genetically Uh, but there are other types of sickness that that have nothing to do with genetics hereditary or even catching it in proximity and and so there are there are non-communicable diseases well there are things about God that are non-communicable for example his omnipresence it is one of his attributes that is non-communicable he is omnipresent he is everywhere at once equally at the same time but you and I cannot be omnipresent We can't share that attribute of God. His omniscience, he is an all-knowing God. And I don't care how much we learn, how much studying we do, we'll never have the all-knowing omniscience of God. Those are non-communicable attributes. But there is one particular attribute that is communicable, and not only is it communicable, but God emphasizes it over and over and over again in the scripture and that is his holiness his holiness God said I am holy and I want you to be holy so holiness is possible I don't care who tells you you can't be holy your attempts at holiness ain't nothing I'm sorry that's not founded in the word of God my Bible tells me be ye holy for I am holy and it is, it is essential to salvation. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, let me stop there because it's too good to pass up. Some of us know how to follow holiness, but we don't know how to follow peace with all men. Both of them are required if you're going to see Jesus. 
I knew I'd lose some of my shouters right there. Some of y'all tripping over your dress, uh, but you can't get along with nobody. I'm sorry, you'll bust tail wide open like anybody else. Come on, I'm talking to some of you. Uh, got a three-piece suit. Uh, got your hair parted down the middle uh, like the Red Sea. Uh, but every time you turn around, you're mad at somebody. You're holding a grudge with somebody. You're angry about what somebody. I'm sorry, you can not see God. I wish I had an aisle runner right about now. Follow peace uh, with all men and holiness. Look the part. <laughs> Look like holy Halliberry. And act like nasty Nelly. Running around snapping at people. Running around attitude with people. Running around, I can't be around them. Oh my God, it's quiet up in here. Running around, I can't talk with them. Running around, I can't. Baby, you're going to split hell wide open huh, with your cute dress huh, and your nice little shoes you got on. You better learn to follow peace huh, with all men. And there's only one way to have peace. You got to make peace. Blessed are the peace. For they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Back to our originally scheduled program. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If you're going to see him, you've got to be holy. I said you've got to be holy. Five times in the book of Leviticus, the word of the Lord declares, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And then you find it again in the, in the New Testament for those who want to make an argument that that's only Old Testament doctrine. Peter quotes it in 1 Peter 1.16 and says, As it is written. If Peter can preach it out of the Old Testament, so can I. As it is written. Where is it written at? In Leviticus. Be ye holy. For I am. Oh, Peter was a holiness preacher. Peter the one with the key. Oh yeah. His keys didn't just unlock the Acts 2.38 message. He also had a holiness key on there. He also had. Oh yeah. He also had a holiness key on there. He wasn't just an Acts 2.38 preacher. He preached. Be ye holy. For I am holy. And so let's deal with this. For this all right tonight? So let's deal with this for a few moments tonight. The body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, I, I, I'm going to try to contain myself. Because Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is packed with so much stuff. I could preach for five weeks right here. But I'm going to try to do it in five minutes. Or maybe a little more. Here's what he says. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren. 
And let me just add cistern. When he says, I beseech you, what he is literally saying is, I am begging you to listen to me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. God is concerned with how you present your body. Now, I'm establishing this because so much of the church world will tell you God doesn't care how you present your body. And when you believe that lie, then you lead yourself into, into rejection. He said, I'm begging you to listen to me. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you've got to understand the imagery here because he is dealing with people who are not far removed from the order of the tabernacle. They have a Hebrew mindset. And so the moment they hear the word sacrifice, their mind immediately goes to the blood of bulls and goats being offered on a sacrifice. And here the apostle is saying that I'm going to present my body as the sacrifice. Does that mean God condones human sacrifice? No, he goes on to clarify. You're going to be a sacrifice, but you're going to be a living sacrifice. How you live is going to be a sacrifice to me. How you present your body is going to be that sacrifice. I don't need you to shed your blood. I just want you to wake up every day and present your body alive to me. I don't need you to get on a cross and give your life. I just need you to get up every day and say this body. That's what an altar is. It's where you take something and say it's not mine, God. It's yours. Every day I want you to remind yourself this body body uh, is not my body uh, so I'm going to put it on an altar every day uh, as a living uh, sacrifice uh, every day I live uh, the way I present my body uh, is how I'm going to let the world know uh, it's on God's altar uh, not on the altar of the club my body's not you see that's why they get dressed like they do they're going to present their body on a different altar. And so you have to prepare your body for that sacrifice. You got to prepare to drop it like it's. You got to prepare to blame it on the. Uh, uh. Blame it on the juice. Got you feeling loose. Some of y'all from the hood, now, what is goose? I'll blame it on the goose. Are they talking about mother goose? What are they talking about? I don't know. What's this goose they're talking about in the, in the church? It's gray goose vodka, in case you're wondering. What are they doing? They're preparing themselves. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you no longer prepare your body the way you used to. You don't get up in the morning and get in front of the mirror and prepare your body the way that you used to. You used to prepare your body uh, to attract men. But now you do it to attract the love and attention of your God. 
You used to prepare your body uh, to try to get the lady's attention, uh, but now you prepare your body uh, to get the attention of the angelic host. Uh, that, oh, what are you doing? You're presenting your body a living uh, sacrifice, uh, holy. Uh, I'm presenting it holy. <laughs> I'm not presenting it unholy. I'm not presenting it like I used to. I'm not presenting it to go suntan on the beach. I'm not presenting it like I'm part of a surf club. I'm not presenting it like I'm part of the biker gang anymore. I'm presenting my body holy. You're not going to come once a year and kill an animal. But you're going to wake up every day and prepare yourself. And I want it to be holy. And what's the word right after that he uses? Holy, acceptable unto God. If something can be acceptable unto God, that means it can be done in a way that's unacceptable to God. This idea that God won't reject anybody's sacrifice. So, so I'm going to give, I'm going to serve God however I want to. Because God loves my sacrifice just the same. Pardon my funniness. You're exactly right. Ask Cain how that went. When Cain said, I know this is what God said, but it don't really matter to him. So I'm going to come and bring it to the altar the way I want to. And God flat rejected his offering. And he walked around moping, uh, sad. Uh, and God came to him. You know what God did when people who reject his word? Because see, sometimes you got people when you preach like this, they get mad at you. They get angry at you. They get, and God said, why are you mad, boo? Read it. It's there. It's there. It's there. He said, why are you mad, bro? You mad, bro? You mad, bro? He said, if you would have just done what I asked you to, I would have accepted your sacrifice too. This ain't a personal thing. Uh, I want you to know that Abel's not in control and you're not in control. I'm the one who is God around here. Uh, you, don't, you don't own yourself. Uh, you don't belong to yourself. Uh, if you're going to give me a sacrifice, uh, bring it the way I told you to bring it. Uh, holy uh, and acceptable uh, unto God. And I absolutely love the next phrase. He says, which is your reasonable service. God said, you act like I'm asking you to do something crazy. He said, this is just your reasonable service. This is just the minimal reasonable service. Uh-huh. Holy, acceptable unto God. And then listen to verse number two. He ties this together. He's still talking about making sure you present your body properly. He says, and be not conformed. Now, I love that word. It is a compound word. Conform, C-O-N, means with. Con, the prefix con means two things coming together. Conformed, you understand what to form something means. 
to be formed when it says he formed man of the dust of the earth. It's the original word yetzar, which means to like a potter placing his hand on the clay and shaping it with his fingers to form. Be not conformed to the world. The world has a, te- it's like making jello. And you go buy one of those pans that you can make elephants and giraffes and pumpkin heads. And, and, and there's a template and you pour the jello and it conforms to the shape. He said the world has a look to it. The world has a shape to it. The world has a certain thing, a pattern and a something that identifies. Be not conformed to this world. That's a powerful word, conform. You, you understand there's other words. In form means that something is put inside that changes it. Uh, Information. When you hear something, it affects who you are. That's why you can't take in any information. <laughs> That's why we don't watch television because it is information that wants to beguile our spirit. Uh, come on, I need some help in this Holy Ghost church. That's why we don't watch Hollywood because it's information. Uh, I don't care if it is Disney. That's even worse, information. Because uh, they want to turn your kids into homosexuals uh, and lesbians. Uh, and you got your kid parked up in front of the television watching all these princesses uh, and all these wizards uh, and you think oh look how cute it is uh, and you don't even uh, they don't even hide it uh, they point blank tell we're ambassadors uh, that want to get our hands on your children informant okay that's another lesson I'm sorry I came I got ahead of myself by a, a few lessons information confirmation be not conformed to this world, but be ye trans means I was this, but now I'm that. God said you were already in chaos like Genesis 1 without form and vote without form. Genesis 1 without form. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you are trans. We're the real transformers. Uh, I was a pothead, but now I'm a preacher. I was an alcoholic, but now I'm a prayer warrior. I need some real transformers in the building to give God a praise. I used to hustle on the street, but now I pass out flyers in the street. What happened? I became a transformer. I got transformed by the Holy Hall, but you used to cuss. Now I sing the praises of God. What happened? I'm a transformer. Don't be conformed. Don't go the direction of the world. Come out from the world. I'm going to take you from what you used to be uh, and give you a brand new form. Uh, You're going to look different. Uh, You're going to sound different. Uh, You're going to walk different. Uh, You're going to talk different. This is holiness. Be not conformed. See, all that's in that one sentence right there. Four words, be not conformed. To this world, but be ye transformed. You're not going to be Jacob anymore. You're going to be Israel. You're not going to be Simon. You're going to be Peter. 
You're not going to kill the church. You're going to build a church. Listen, how does that happen? By the renewing of your mind. There it is. Did you catch the revelation? Here's where holiness starts. How are you going to present your body by first getting your mind straight? If I get my body presented and I never get it right up here, uh, this won't last. I'll do it for a little while because I feel pressure, uh, but one day I'm going to walk away from it. But if you can ever get your mind right, uh, if you can ever get your heart correct, uh, if you can ever get the spirit uh, and the soul man uh, holy first, uh, oh yeah, do it. Uh, how? By the transformation, uh, by the renewing of your mind if you don't get it on the inside it won't last on the outside what's on the outside simply has to become a reflection of what's on the inside why so that ye may prove what is that good and there's that word again 